You wear your scars like Sunday best, like a six inch heel in a summer dress, like the beauty of the sun setting or a new day dawning, almost like a flower that's blooming. Look at that handful of tomorrow's knocking, possibilities mapped in the ground that you walk in, your radiance is haunting, there is flawlessness in the parts where your body is curving. Through you we see the glamour in breaking, in weeping until you cleanse, in falling until you dance, in giving yourself a second chance, in sending yourself love letters and then writing back, because that is how a godly woman breaks. You wear your scars like Sunday best. Oh, I absolutely love that intro. I cannot get used to it. So you're going to have to bear with me for the next couple of weeks until I let it sink. You know what I mean? It's just excellent. It's beautiful. And it speaks to the core of what we are all about. Shout out to Poetry and Current Affairs for that one. Welcome to this rendition of How I Wear My Scars, Finding Beauty in Brokenness, Messages of Hope and Healing. My name is Zintle Kulu and I am your host. Today, I've got the privilege of chatting to somebody that's become like a baby sister to me. I absolutely love her and I cannot even begin to express the ways in which I'm so proud to watch her rise and rise and rise above every situation, every curveball that life throws at her. So she is going to be sharing her story. It is titled Broken by My First Love. If you listen long enough, you're going to find out what that is about exactly. And um, you know what drew us to each other years ago was how familiar we were with pain. It was our scars and uh, you know some of the experiences that we shared were very similar so we could sort of relate to one another a certain level and i'm really really proud that today she gets to share her story i think she's been longing to do this um for a very very long time so please um have a listen to this and i think you know for me when i listen to her story one of the things that it speaks to is you know it is all about rising again and again and again, you know, not once and for all, but rising over and over and over again. It says to me, you can get through anything that life throws at you because here's the thing. I think sometimes when we go through a painful or traumatic experience, especially for example, at a young age in our lives, we tend to have, or at least that was sort of me, the expectation that, you know, God, I have dealt with this difficult thing and it's bad enough to last me for the rest of my life. So the rest of my life better be smooth. You know, it must just be perfect. It must just be easy because I've dealt with enough already. But then what happens when it does not turn out that way and life keeps throwing, you know, difficulties at you, challenges at you, things that you have to keep jumping over in order for you to get to the next destination, um, you know, to reach wherever it is that you want to go. When your life is a constant battle and you are just fighting demon after demon, you're fighting mountain after mountain, you're fighting giant after giant and she is just the ep epitome of you know somebody that is able to rise she is just strength personified and i absolutely am always inspired to hear from her so uh please lend us an ear and enjoy and be blessed and i just pray more than anything that it gives you a glimmer of hope for your situation and of course leads you to a place that can at least get you you know to the healing that you need for your specific story how i weigh my scars broken by my first love tandega kumalo's story yes hi Sinclair. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Um, I'm truly grateful and I'm very honored to be given this platform to share how I wear my beautiful scars daily. 
You know, Wednesday, life is something else and doesn't work out the way you would have dreamed about it when you were young. Yazi, I had a perfect life when growing up, but well, that's what I'd like to believe. As a child, your greatest blessing is being raised by your parents that love you unconditionally. But as I was growing up, I completely failed to understand what unconditional love is. I was fortunate to be raised by both parents until the age of eight. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I lost both of them at that age. So before I get a little bit into my story, let me tell you a little bit about my late parents. My mom, yo, she's one sweet human being, down to earth, caring, kind and loving. And my dad was loving at times, very abusive when drunk, and his favorite game was basically boxing. My mom and I, if you know what I mean. So I lost my mom at the age of eight due to sugar diabetes and kidney failure. Her death took so many pieces of my life away and I constantly questioned God why he hated me so much, you know, and why he couldn't take my dad. After my mom died, things at home changed for the worse to a point that I lost value of myself and didn't know what my purpose in life was. So I had a dream of being a doctor in honor of my mom so I could help people with sugar diabetes and kidney failure, you know. I worked so hard to a point that I got a scholarship to go to one of the top private schools. After my mom's death, I continued staying with my dad, my baby brother, and life just turned against me. I had to become a sister and a wife at home. I cooked, I cleaned, did laundry, and helped my brother with his homework. My mom's death changed my life for the worst. My father's drinking just became worse. It was just impossible to put up with him. So basically, when I was about 13, 14 years old on my birthday, I was sexually abused by my king, who is my father, who made me believe that in order for me to become a daddy's little princess, I had to do everything he wished for. And he would say, so God could make my dreams come true. And that he's actually showing me how I am actually meant to love a man who would come into my life. I remember the first time my father forced himself on me. I woke up with tape that covered my mouth, with hands tied up on my father's bed, and him singing to me. He put a knife against my throat and told me, if I could try and fight him or tell anyone about our family secret, I would kiss school goodbye and all my privileges would be taken away from me. Zintle, my father raped me every single day. After he had had sex with me, he would run me a hot tub of water to bath. He would come and sit and watch me bath while he played his favorite jazz song on his phone. He was just such a complete psychopath. You know, I was so scared to death that even praying at that time seemed pointless. I lost faith and trust in God. After bathing, he would kiss me on my forehead and tell me how much of a good girl I am and that he loves me. 
and he's showing me how every man that will come into my life that's how they actually meant to love me so basically every girl goes through that like oh, you know as a child going through that and you're not growing up with your mom like yes when your family comes to visit there's just nothing you can say to them at that time it was just a complete mess because i had no one to talk to and my aunts or whatever i couldn't ask them that when you're growing up as a girl what is meant to happen in your life or what is expected to happen or what is bound to happen so fast forward i got tied and drained emotionally i lost my scholarship because i wasn't performing good results at school anymore although we always had family coming over to visit i was basically not allowed to have a conversation that would last about 5 minutes because my dad felt i would tell our family secret so i always had to make excuses when family came over or to my step siblings and say i was sick as either i had lots of homework to do or i was busy with a school um assignment would would be due the following day or on the coming week or whatever so i never actually spent time with my family i always had to isolate myself from them so yeah imagine doing that and you've got family coming over you can't spend time with them your cousins who your whoever's you just had to be away from them so they always felt as if i was like I don't know like while they felt I was treating them differently of course because normally when they came we'd spend so much time together play and whatever but then now they felt as if I felt I was better than them so that's why I was keeping my distance away from them the privileged the privileges that I was promised I'd always have actually got taken away from me so i had no cell phones i was not allowed to see friends and i was not allowed to go out with my friends going out to go watch movies or going to a park to have like a picnic i was basically turned into his wife i guess one day i got tired and i ran away from home and found myself at the police station i told them that i was being hit a lot at home which was true I showed them scars that I had on my body which are scars that are got while being raped. Sometimes I would be hit with a whip or get cuts from the knife. So they took me home and wanted to arrest him, but I begged the police not to because my father was the only parent my siblings and I had. And he was also the breadwinner to the rest of the family. So I told the police I want to stay somewhere else but not with him. So at that time the only person I had in mind was my dad's boss who then took me for the night and organized counseling for me. I had stopped going to school anyway because I'd lost my scholarship around October. It was around November when this happened. So I was never at school. I didn't say much 
during the counseling because I was afraid and I felt I couldn't trust this lady. She could probably just ruin my life by snapping her fingers. I then recommended someone that I thought would help me, which was a social worker from my previous school. She was also a family friend. I opened up to her and she didn't seem to believe me. She handled the matter in the worst possible way I could have thought. She, you know, not being believed when you're telling someone what's actually happening in your life is just the worst possible pain. So then anyway, she offered to take me to the doctor to get some tests done, which I was okay with, but before she did that she called my dad in and asked him if he was abusing me sexually and told him that she would be taking me to the hospital to run some tests. So on the way to the hospital, the social worker received a call that my father had committed suicide. He actually hung himself on the tree at his work. So the social worker cried all the way to the hospital and didn't want to tell me what was going on. So at that time, I'm thinking, okay, she probably received sad news from her family. So I kept on asking her, though, why are you crying? And she just cried even more. So I figured, you know what? Let me try and deal with my issues and just give her space. When she's ready to talk to me, then she'll tell me what was going on. So we got to the hospital and they ran some tests and I think those tests were sent to a lab. Yeah. And then when the results came back on that very same day, she was so in denial and just didn't want to believe me. But at the same time, I didn't blame her. And I kind of understood where she was coming from because my dad was her friend. And he never even showed any signs of that he had his weird issues and he was actually a sick-minded person as you see after the hospital we went to the police station and when i got there all my step siblings were there they were so angry with me and everyone was just screaming and shouting all over the place and i was just completely confused and i was wondering to myself did the social worker speak to them and tell them that I'm, I'm accusing my father of raping me. But then at that time, I was not accusing him. I was basically telling the honest truth. So then, I just didn't understand at all why everyone was crying. So I was taken to the boardroom and there by the police station. And... They made me sit down. They fetched me a glass of water. And I was like, okay, I didn't ask for water. What's going on actually here? And then 
that moment when they told me that my father killed himself, I cried so much and I felt guilty and I blamed myself. Yeah, so basically, my father's death as well made me lose family. Speaking up about being sexually abused took away family. My siblings wanted nothing to do with me, and so was the rest of the family. Everyone kept on telling me, do you see what you've done? You don't belong here. Who do you think will take care of you? My family never believed me, even after seeing the results from the lab. They told me even if I was going through what I was going through. Every family has its own dark secrets. Fast forward after the funeral, my family dropped me and my baby brother off at an orphanage home and never even once came to visit. We were staying in a new environment with people we didn't know. It took me time to adjust. But then later on, loved the parents that were taking care of us. They brought me closer to God. It was a family that owned a church and a got involved in church and joined the worship team. I actually got to learn what love was from them. A different meaning to love. Not what my father had taught me. Everything was starting to fall into place. While I was just starting to pick up bit and bit of pieces in my life. My old school took me back and my parents' boss paid for, and my late parents' boss paid for my school fees until I turned 17 years old. I was attached to them and they moved out. Imagine trying to live your life as a child and trying to at least make up for the time you lost your childhood and loving, accepting that you have a new family. They leave you. I then got to live with new parents at the home. Yo, God knows how much I hated them. I was just as rude as they were to me and the rest of the kids. They treated the children with HIV so differently, as if they weren't humans. I remember our dishes and their and the parents' dishes were staying in separate cupboards because they thought those kids would infect them. It was just quite a disturbing moment and it was ridiculous it comes to this question that why take a job that you have no passion for no understanding I then decided to leave them and I ran away to stay with the family I got attached to when I started staying at that orphanage home my brother at that time in between got taken in by my stepsister so I didn't stay long with this family because they couldn't survive and support me financially. So this family already had four boys. And at that point, at that time, it was just the wife that was working. So then now it's just me. I'm adding on to the family. I'm putting on financial strain on them. So it just wasn't working out. So then 
yeah, I had to leave and fast forward, I had to go stay in a girl's shelter. Yo, wow, that shelter was just something else. I stayed there for like a week. <laughs> and yeah, I ran away. I sure did a lot of running away here. Yo, that home was just something else. So we barely ate at that home. So we basically ate like three times in a week. I had to leave. I just couldn't cope at that home. So imagine going to school with an empty stomach and your, your tummy growls like for the whole day. And other kids are eating at school and you basically don't have food. So yeah. I really don't miss that home, by the way. And I wouldn't recommend that home to any person at all. So I went to go stay with my friend and his family. Yes, I said his. Okay. Um, okay, yeah, let me get into this. He was my boyfriend. So at some point in my life, I found myself at a stage where I needed to find myself someone that would love me and never leave me. I was, so anyway, our relationship ended because I was super clingy and I actually wanted him to have sex with me, but he wasn't ready to do so. So I broke up with him because of that. So because I had never dealt with my rape issue, I actually started becoming too sexual. I believed in order for a man to really, really love you, he just had to have sex with you. So basically some of the things that my dad had fed me and had told me actually damaged my soul. And at that time, I still didn't know what was right or what was wrong. So then... At some point, I got in contact with my psychopath sister that wanted me to move in with her and sort things out. But guess what? She also had a drinking problem. So every time she would get too drunk, she would pour me with water while in my sleep and tell me she's, and tell me she's like this because I damaged her life. I broke her and she's in pain because of me she would tell me to get up and go wake up her father that I killed from his grave you see Zintle when people keep on telling you constantly that someone's death is your fault you actually turn to believe it I doubted myself and regretted why I had asked for help it broke me emotionally that I questioned my existence and believed I was brought into this earth to feel pain I tried to kill myself once upon a time by drinking 24 tablets. But then I survived at school. They quickly rushed me to the hospital and they were able to drain those tablets out of my system before they had caused any damage. At that time, I was still living with my sister. So my sister basically ended up kicking me out of her house because seeing me reminded her that I'm the reason for her father's death. At that time, I was 18 years old and I was a student at a college. So one of these ladies at this college found me a woman's shelter 
because my sister kicked me out but at that time I was able to find someone to speak to at college regarding my situation and how I felt I totally do not know how I opened up to this lady in the first place but how things worked out I believe she was actually sent by God to my rescue I moved out from my sister's house and stayed at the women's shelter for like five months until I got myself a job at the shelter no until I got myself a job sorry so at the shelter the workers actually benefited from us the poor imagine you're getting a salary and when organizations come to donate food or clothing to the poor and then you just never get what was being given to you because the workers took everything for themselves and for their families when I got a job, I then moved out and lived alone. I had so many donations from people I'd met during my stays in different homes and from my previous school. I rented out a room and things started to look a bit brighter for me. And this is still in the year 2015. I've always been afraid to tell people that I was sexually abused and bottling all of that up just destroyed my inner peace. One of the most difficult things I had to deal with is knowing I have a family, but they want nothing to do with me. And my baby brother until this day as well, he also just wants nothing to do with me. Every time I try reaching out to him, he just swears at me, he lashes out, and he always tells me that I'm... I'm actually the reason for his pain and he's living this sad life because of me. So at some point, I, I just had to, I don't know, just let go because I felt our relationship was actually starting to be toxic because it was a back and forth kind of thing. We talk, we fight. If he's not feeling okay, then he lashes out at me, sends me rude emails, he swears at me, takes messages. So at some point, it is just sad to cut ties with someone that you really want to bring close to you, but you just can't have them in your life. I've also as well chosen to forgive my father because the anger I've had in me for so many years is only destroying my peace and holding me back to move on and pick up the pieces in my life. I have chosen not to play the victim. I've learned to believe the saying that family doesn't have to be blood because I've witnessed a lot of love and protection from the people that aren't even my family. So I have a quote that has inspired me to move on with my life and it goes as follows. Self-control is strength, calmness is mystery. You have to get to a point where your mood doesn't shift based on the magnificent actions of someone else. Don't allow others to control the direction of your life. And this is by Morgan Freeman. I would have never made it if it wasn't for God and I'm truly grateful for all the people I met in my life during this phase of life that I have. 
And I am grateful for all the things that I've actually been through because if I hadn't gone through what I had gone through, I don't think I would be sharing my story to help someone out there. I don't even think I would have met the current people that I have relationships with right now if I hadn't gone through that. I pray that God may continue blessing each one of you abundantly. If you're going through what I went through, I want you to know that it's not your fault. Say no to woman abuse and speak up. Don't be afraid to lose people. Do what is right for you before it's too late. Once again, this is Tandega Sanelisiwe Kumalo. And this is how I weigh my scars.